is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. Uh, my name is Ben Hansen and I'm hosting this time around and I'm joined by Mr. Jeff Cork. Hello. Hello. We're in season four. We're, we took a long break and we I'm did. sorry that people had to just, you know, maybe re-listen to the episodes that were out there yeah. or more than likely completely forget about us. Yes. Uh, but we are back. We're planning ahead and knuckle under and watch these hour long episodes in preparation. There's only 18 this season. I keep telling myself that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't want to tip your hand too early, but yeah. So this is the big season that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. It seems like for a super long time, we're like, oh, when we get to season four, things are going to be different because we're switching to an hour-long format. Yes. A couple other changes to the show. Let's hear about them. Fun trivia. Uh, season four, they officially changed the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how it was originally the Facebook. Yeah. They dropped the the. So season four, it's just Twilight Zone. Interesting. Fun facts. And they also have the animated intro that we kind of, at least I do, think about when I think about the Twilight Zone. Or oh, really? Twilight Zone. The, <laughs> you unlock this door with the key to imagination, and then it goes through all the different dimension of this, dimension of that. Flying Barbie doll coming towards the screen. With some kind of hair or <laughs> something on it. it. It really looks rough. So yeah. it has, a, it's a dimension of sound, right? Yep. Of, so, of sight. Uh-huh. And then of sound, and then you see like a, a window get Crashing. shattered. Yep. And then of sight. Okay, then it's sight. And then you see the eyeball. The eyeball is the thing that freaks you out. It's the dumbest thing, but it still just gives me the shivers. <laughs> it's, it's the dopiest looking eyeball. <laughs> and then shadow and substance, right? Yeah. And then it's like the, that. yeah, the, the doll with, it, it looks like a bunch of wool on its head. Flying in the Superman pose yes. across the screen. Yeah, yeah. I think they were just grabbing random scraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting story and how they got to the fourth season is that after the third season, they apparently couldn't find a sponsor for The Twilight Zone, and so it was effectively canceled. And so at that point, uh, the producer who produced the first three, uh, Buck, he left the show to go work somewhere else, and Rod Serling was offered a teaching gig in another state at uh, college. And so he left and did that. Oh. And then another show was canceled halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea was that it must've been an hour long show. So Twilight Zone, they're like, Oh, let's just get Twilight Zone back and put it on as the hour replacement. Right. And so it's kind of a weird slap together season. And you can tell that it's a little bit different outside of the hour long uh, episode structure because Rod Serling is not on the set anymore. Mm-hmm. He just came in and then recorded a bunch of his little intros in front of like a gray screen. And then that's what they play before every episode now. Right. It's kind of a bummer. It's a super bummer because <laughs> they don't do any of the cute stuff like, hey, whoa, he's behind the desk and right, any of right. that stuff. So. Yeah, there's no big surprise fun reveal. Maybe it'll come back in season five. I actually don't know. We'll find out. I think but we'll first, out. we have to endure. Well, I don't want to, again, there's a lot of hat tipping here. Yeah, there is. In fact, I'm a little bit interested in which way you're going to go. But before we even start, yes, we should thank the best uh, Twilight Highlight Zone fan of all time. And there aren't many. Yeah, and so this guy, <laughs> and, this but this isn't just by default. No, I mean it's damn close, damn close, <laughs> but not quite. Uh, this guy named Ryan Wheeler uh, listened to me blather on about how I wanted the full Excel spreadsheet of all of our scores mm-hmm. and like average them out and see like where the seasons land and yada yada yada. Uh, and he made the best Excel spreadsheet of all time. It's incredible. That gives us. Every stat you could possibly want. He went back through and listened to all the episodes and wrote down our scores and gave the average, charted out all the Franklins, 
And we averaged out surprisingly close for each season. Yeah. Season one is definitely stunned. the strongest I saw overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fun stuff in there. And you look back and it's like, man, I gave that episode a seven. I don't even remember yeah. that one, you know, which might happen this time around. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Who can say? We're like super appreciative of it now. And it's going to be very handy when we do the next Franklin's because we'll be able to provide some statistical analysis. It's going to be a deep dive. A deep dive. Also, speaking of deep dive, yes. because at least three people in the comments have asked for it. Yeah. We're going to try going back to the long form structure. Okay. Instead of the quick synopsis and then the breakdown weird thing, like, oh, mm-hmm. and then another thing I remember, we're going right. to try working our way through the episode, okay. trying to remember as much as we can. Okay. And we're only doing three each episode. Yes. And I think you're going to find out my memory plus my note taking is a formula for success. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for that. Fantastic. Yes. All right. First episode, season four, back in the saddle, man. All right. This one's called In His Image. Mm-hmm. It opens up with the subway from the Prime Mover. Is that the same subway? Okay, yeah, I guess so. So it opens up on the subway. There is a crazy Christian lady. Not that crazy, but she's really pushing some some Bible quotes uh, and verses on this guy who is older. And this guy, light shines on his face close to how it shines in the Purple Testament. Mm -hmm. And this lady is going on and on about the Bible and how he needs to be converted, yada, yada, yada. And you then hear weird robot sounds. Like, if you'll indulge me, please. And then like ping pong, beep, beep, boop, beep, Yeah, it's, like it's, that very, kind of... it's very alien UFO sound. Yeah. Uh, not knowing what the hell's going on, he then grabs the old lady, throws her in front of the train, and then Rod Serling says, that's not the end of a nightmare. That's the beginning of a nightmare. Dep- depending on your perspective. <laughs> Well, it was the old lady's end of her yes. nightmare. Uh, and then it moves on, and it follows this guy to his house. His name's Alan. Yes. Just for the sake of pronouns. And it's going to get confusing. So this yes. guy's name is Alan <laughs> yeah. Talbot. Yes. And so Alan goes to his house, and what does he find there? A beautiful lady. That's true, who he tries to get tried- the pants of, and she's like, hey, wait for marriage, buddy. Exactly. I've only known you four days. We should hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> it's clear that this guy... Is- He's, he's excited to get married. Uh, they seem to be in love. He's kind of pushing back a little bit like, hey, you don't know me that well. Uh, maybe he doesn't trust himself too much, not to mention the fact that he just killed a lady. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to ignore that for quite a while. Right. Uh, and she's like, no, I love you. I'll get to know you. It's going to be great. And so then they're taking a road trip to his hometown. Yes. And so they get in the car, go there. And he starts realizing that things are a little bit different. And he was just there like a week ago. Right. He was just there a week ago. She, they're going to visit his aunt Mildred. Right. And he's like, and she's immediately like, let's just have a quick one before we go there. Right. She wants to get loaded before she, she has wants to meet a, the, She wants totally a drink. She's a complete yeah. booze hound. Yeah. And he's a complete boon hound. So it works out well. <laughs> exactly. And so they go to the old town and then he's like, oh, there's a huge building there. I don't remember that. And then as he explores more and more, it's like, God, it's like the city is, it's like I haven't been here for 20 years. Like things are just a little bit different everywhere. But he's like, but I was just here a week ago. It's a pretty good mystery. So mm-hmm. he goes around, he goes into like a hotel because he's looking for food or he's looking for a coffee shop. Right. Because they couldn't find booze because like, there's no bar here. Right. Uh, and the hotel owner doesn't know what he's talking about. Like there hasn't been a coffee shop there. And so you start to feel like, oh, is this a classic Twilight Zone thing where like the town has jumped 
back in time or forward in mm-hmm. time. It's it's a mystery that I don't think you could have possibly guessed. No. But it's still kind of fun because yes. they're exploring for quite a while trying to figure out what's going on. They they decide to visit Aunt Mildred. Right. Because she's given up hope on, you know, short of like building a still from scratch and, mm-hmm. and synthesizing her own alcohol. <laughs> she's going to have to go drive for a few days. So they go to Aunt Mildred's house, right? Yeah. And beat on the door and it's a, a, a man answers and... There's a big commotion because he's like, well, well, my aunt lives here. I just, I was just here a few days ago. I live next door. Yeah. 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 And then, and she's like, yeah, he told me about it. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's that. So they're all like completely confused. Yeah. And then he's like, well, my parents were buried here. So let's go check out their graves and then go check out the graves. And it's the same spot, except there are different names on there. Correct. And the last name is Ryder. Yes. And he's like, what the heck is going on? And so he goes to his own house. I believe, and they say that a guy named Walter Ryder mm-hmm. lives there. Yes. And it's that, you know, thing we've seen a dozen times on Twilight Zone, which we've also seen in It's a Wonderful Life, where it's like, oh my God, it's my world, but nobody recognizes me. You mm-hmm. got to recognize me, don't you? Yeah. And nobody knows what the heck this guy's talking about. And so they leave. Yes. They drive away. And then do they pull over? I'm trying to remember exactly how this happens. He starts get, He starts hearing those weird sounds again. Yeah. And then... He hears like this message saying, kill her, kill her. Kill me with that. Kill me. <laughs> yeah. Kill. So kill. He, he gets out of the, he's like, you got to pull over or whatever. And uh, he gets out of the car and he like runs under the woods and grabs a rock and he calls yeah. her name. Right. He's like, come over here. I, I need you. So she comes over there and then he's conflicted because he's like, oh, maybe I don't want to bash her face in. This whole scene is a lot like the movie inside of the thriller music video. Where he's like, you don't know me that well. Yeah. I'm not like the other guys. Exactly. And he turns into the crazy werewolf thing. It's yeah. that exact thing where he's like, she's like chasing him through the woods. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, stay away, stay, stay away. away. Yeah, exactly. So she's, she just leaves and he's, you know, conflicted. And you hear all that weird sound effect stuff again. So he staggers into the road and in through Twilight Zone fashion is immediately struck by a car. Right. It's a good, it's pretty good stunt work. He's not completely struck by it but he leaps out just in time but he's his leg still gets hit yeah. by it a little bit he lands he seems okay except for a weird scrape on his hand and he we- then looks at his down at his hand and does the exact peel off that they do in terminator 2 it, it was like a luke skywalker hand the same yes. kind of thing yeah so he's peeling back like below the wrist yeah and then he just sees all the little weird gizmos and crap and in there diodes and and he's He's a little upset, but he still gets a ride with the guy back into town. Yeah, the guy is like, "Are you sure you want to see a doctor? You know, I can. I'll take you whatever." And the guy's like, I, "You know, Alan is like, well, I've already signed a waiver absolving you of all liability." And he's like, well, "I'm just worried about you." You know, right. he's like, "I've got it. Don't don't worry." So then he goes and gets a phone book out of some hotel or something, uh, and he finds he looks up somebody who we later find out is Walter Ryder. Mm-hmm. He happens to look him up in the phone book. Goes to his house, knocks on his door, and it turns out that this guy is a slightly drunk and evil version of him. And it's the kind of thing of like, oh, it took you long enough to find me. Mm-hmm. And so then, <laughs> this is where it gets complicated. Yes. Okay. So they're not clones. But no, no. What happens, as this drunk guy thoroughly explains, is that he, ever since he was a kid... <laughs> this is the funny part. He's 
He didn't dream of things that normal guys dreamt of. He only dreamt of replicating himself. Yeah, he and didn't cr- dream of like flight or anything like that. He just wanted a perfect facsimile of a human being ever since he was a, a little boy. Yeah, and so he grew up to be a famous electronic inventor. I don't know about famous, but... He's really, a genius, as he's he a calls genius. himself. Yeah, he does. This guy's a real prick. And so he's uh, he's invented all sorts of stuff. He eventually makes a fortune by inventing a new type of calculator. Yes. Which he points out, which is a fun little fact. And he uses that sweet, sweet calculator money to make robotic versions of himself. And he made two that didn't work out so well. They looked horrible, too. They looked like those dummies that were used to escape from Alcatraz that were made yeah. out of soap. Yeah, he had like pulls a blanket back and reveals their faces. And yeah, it's it's rough looking to the point of like, if they just would have shot it differently, they could have had that yeah. same actor lie down in those spots and it totally would have been fine. Or any actor for that just- matter <laughs> would have been better than... Right, he could have had some backstory of like, oh, I didn't, you know, the first two, I didn't have to make look like me. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the story goes is that the third robot that he made, mm-hmm. he was feeling pretty confident about. And that was our protagonist. Yes. And he was made a week ago. Eight days. Yeah, he's got eight days worth of memories. Yeah, but this guy, the robot, obviously remembers everything because, and this is the part I really like, Mm -hmm. the crazy inventor guy instilled his childhood memories of his hometown into this robot because he had to fill this robot's brain with so many details. Yes. He just pulled from his own childhood. And so that's why he remembers the town vaguely and Mm -hmm. like an incomplete version of the town were this guy's memories, but it's a version of the town from 20 years ago because that's when he grew up there. Right. And so that's why this robot didn't recognize things, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, it was a pretty cool cool idea. And it's frustrating too because it's like, you never could have guessed that that's the solution to the mystery and that's bothered me before with Twilight Zone, but mm-hmm. it was such a weird, odd one that I was totally on board for it. I like that his first impulse as a robot is to kill that's like his solution to everything is like, I don't like this like Christian track you're pushing in my hand. Off you go. And yeah. then, you know. Well, not even that, but like. I'm frustrated at this road trip. <laughs> I'm going to murder the driver. With a rock. Yeah, but then like the humans explain like, well, of course everyone wants to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. But like humans have inhibitions exactly. and morals and stuff See, to kind like of stop part. you. Yeah, but it's like, wait, really? Everybody wants to kill everybody? Yeah. Cork is a human being. Have you honestly thought I would like to literally murder that person <laughs> no. uh anyway they t- yeah it's super dumb so i'd like to apologize um yeah so they have this big talk and essentially doesn't walter have kind of a so what, what have you been up to though conversation you know the talk kind of goes to that like what did you do right. i was curious about that and alan talks about how he met this woman who was like super lo- lonely but very pretty and because walter you learn has basically dedicated so much of his life to making a robot man that he has foregone any kind of human love or anything like that. And you wonder why didn't he make a lady? <laughs> it would seems like it would have been a way better plan. So much easier. Or just, yeah, put a wig on a calculator and call it a day. <laughs> but his, the weird detail, which I also really liked, is that the, he said like, oh, by the way, like your entire, uh, all of your memories, they're fictitious. Also, the idea and the concept that you're a real Don Juan that's not real either. I just right. implanted that in you. So like, it's weird. Like, oh, yeah, your whole libido and the other mm-hmm. like your sex god. That's totally not real. That's just what I wanted to be. That was just a toggle. Yeah, yeah. And they also, we should mention, like, they the uh, inventor points out that, like, he makes it quite clear that you, that 
robot number three here is also super flawed. Like he mm-hmm. learned that he has like these rage instincts and he's like, I gotta, I gotta tell you, man, you are insane. Yeah. Like, you are a flawed invention. Right. So, so then <laughs> I think they have a discussion, Walter and Alan and, and the, the kind of ultimate outcome is, Hey, you know, you really should go hang out with this, this girl, Jessica. And you know, she's real nice. And then suddenly uh, P.S. I'm going to kill you right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like a big fight and it just seems like it goes on forever. It's and an awesome, super wide shot yeah. of them just running around in the basement, punching the crap out of each other. And they do a good job of making it look like the same person. Cause it's not like yeah. a twin scenario. Mm-hmm. It's the same actor playing both parts. Yeah. Uh, and there's, beat the crap out of each other or throw each other up against different equipment. So many props yeah. are ruined. And so that just goes on for a while. And, and then, then it, it fades. Then it fades and it does the great thing where it, then it cuts to the lady's apartment again mm-hmm. and the door opens and you see that it's the guy, but it could be both guys. So you don't exactly. know if the robot won the fight or the human won the fight, which I really liked. I liked it a lot. Uh, and she's like, oh, I don't care why you're trying to kill me with the rock or why you were making weird robot noises. I love you. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you bet. You we'll, bet. We'll do this. And then it cuts back and shows yeah. the robot's hand back mm-hmm. in the in the rubble of where they fought. So so she's basically with like a creep borderline rapist. Is that what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Because at some point he's going to have to breach the topic. Oh, by the way, um, Alan was what my friends call me back home. You know, <laughs> you could call me Walter. Walter or, Ryder. Or just completely change his life. Yeah. Yeah. At, at some point, I mean, I guess they've only known each other for a couple of days, so there won't be too much quizzing or like mm-hmm. references to stuff from their own past. Yeah. But this guy's totally going to blow it because he's also a, a flawed human is kind of the moral of the story. Yeah. And she will probably wonder, you know, why didn't you bring up the fact that you own a calculator <laughs> factory or whatever? <laughs> so one thing that we kind of glossed over yeah, and it's an important link and it's also, I thought it was really funny is that when they're at the grave site, mm-hmm. I think what, what kind of motivates them to get the heck out of Dodge is that guy who lived in Aunt Mildred's house? Yeah, shows up with a police officer, right? And he's like, "That's the guy." Like, it was a completely benign conversation. <laughs> that's like, the guy hey, that knocked on my door. That's the guy that knocked. On my, it was like, what a big baby! And he seemed like a big burly dude who you would think, like in a in a modern show, would have like, "You come back." And I will shoot you in the face with a shotgun. He just seemed right. like a really tough guy. But the fact that he called the cops. Yeah. It was like, a guy knocked on my door. You're right. And he claimed that an Aunt Mildred lived there. <laughs> let's let's go track him down at the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But just the overall concept of a guy who is a flawed human being trying to improve himself. And like Sterling hammers us home a little bit too in his, his outro. Mm-hmm. But the idea that he, he's trying to improve himself, but he can't improve his own life. And so the way he's doing it is by inventing Android duplicates of himself that he's programming to be better. Yes. And that's his weird iterative version of self-improvement, but it leads to old ladies being thrown in front of trains. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I really like the concept. And I, I think that this yeah. is a great example of an episode that I think the one hour format benefit, you know, it benefits yep. Yep. That because it's a story that if it were crammed into a traditional like half hour episode, they would have had to cut out a lot of the stuff that I think would have been like the buildup and the mystery and what made it so interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought the same thing. Like there was a moment when they were like driving in the car and chit chatting. And I thought the the lady, the, the fiance did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, but it was still like, man, this could probably be tightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't realize there were so many twists to go. And what's fun about this structure for the hour long Twilight Zone is that. There's, it's usually like 
the structure was very segmented before where it's like, you know, something crazy in the intro, Sterling gives his speech and then set up stinger commercial mm-hmm. break conclusion. Yes. And now it's this, I mean, there's so many commercial breaks. They need to have so many stingers and so many twists within an episode to make it interesting. Correct. And I think this episode does it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where like, you know, three fourths of the way through the show, every once in a while I would remember like, Wait, remember when he murdered that Christian lady in front of a train? Like that was the same episode, and now yeah. he's on this romantic date in his hometown. Like it's it's a twisty ride, man. Yeah, and it was it was cool how they're able to because he's an android, they're able to get away with that by you know the fact that it, they didn't just have a murderer portrayed right. in the sympathetic light. It's a robot, right? Right, definitely. And like uh, I guess in an interview, Serling earlier on in the show had said that he didn't want to do an hour format because it'd have to be too padded out with melodrama and a bunch of crap. Uh, and this episode doesn't have it. I think one episode in this block does have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll leave it at yeah. that. Uh, but I ended up giving this one a seven. Yeah, I gave it a seven as well. There we go. Yeah. Right out of the gates. Out same of the page, gates, dude. exactly. Perfect. And I think I should say that uh, Rod Serling knows from melodrama. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. You're going to have to help me with this one, okay, buddy? I am jealous because... That was a complicated episode. It was a very complicated And the third one. one's also complicated, and now yes. you have the simplest episode. The simplest one. Which is one <gasps> that I was talking about when I said the only episode of season four that I've seen is this one. Oh, really? Yes, so go okay, ahead and take it away. here we go. This is called the 30 Fathom Grave. Okay? Could mean anything. Could mean anything. We start off on a naval destroyer, and it's just on a routine patrol, and they kind of pick up... Uh, I'm sorry... Back up a little bit. This uh, There's some stuff that's tied down improperly, right? So the captain calls in a chief who's in charge of that and kind of dresses him down a little bit and saying, you know, I can't believe this isn't done correctly. He calls well, him a dumbhead boner. You dumbhead boner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was super weird. And uh, the guy's like, ah, I've just been feeling a little out of it lately. I'm sorry. And immediately I was thinking, oh, God, this Captain Beecham guy is going to be a world-class jerk. Right. But I was proven wrong, as right. you'll soon learn. So anyway, the other guy, Chief Bell, who was not feeling well, he's just kind of a little out of it. And then they notice like there's some weird pinging sound, right? It's like a, like a metallic banging that they hear from the ocean floor. From the ocean floor, so they drop anchor, and they're like, "Well, let's just check this out a little bit, right?" So they look on sonar. It doesn't look like they see anything conclusive. But they decide, you know, this thing is really persistent and they're thinking that it could be who knows what. So they decide they're going to send someone down to investigate. All the while broadcasting this pinging, banging throughout the ship. So like the entire episode has this undercurrent of like this bong, 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 this metallic banging. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great sound effect. Yeah. And it's super creepy (laughs) because nobody seems to know what's going on. Some people are kind of joking about it. Other people are a little spooked out, whatever. Well, so like... Right in the beginning, right when they first find it, there's it cuts to like uh, two cadets, and they're like, "Oh, what do you think it is? Ain't that a kick in the head?" And then the other guys is like, "It's ghosts, man." He's just like it's immediately, it's yeah. ghosts. Yeah, that'll happen. But moving on, we got an hour to figure out some things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got this perfectly fine diving bell. Yeah, it's like old school diving helmet. So the guy goes underneath, and he's like, and he comes back up. No worries. He's not wearing gloves, which I didn't realize is part of... That. Oh, really? Yeah. It's super weird. 
I huh. never really looked at one of those things. My the I think big my, daddy suits. It's like a big daddy suit. Let's just say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but no gloves or drill hands. It's right. just whatever. Just well, just... he goes down there and he bangs on it on the submarine. Yeah, because there's a submarine down there. Yeah, and he bangs on it and they don't hear any banging back. Right. And so it's I, I really like the part where he goes down there a couple times, right? But even like the first time, uh, they're they're hearing the banging. They're like, is that you now? And he's like, nope, that's still the submarine something from inside the submarine right because he's in radio contact with him which is a nice right. thing because he, he's going down there to to see what's going on and they they kind of move away from what we kind of expect from these kind of stories now which is where the person's there they're isolated and it's just like you have no idea what's going on this guy's saying exactly what's happening as it's happening he's like oh it looks like there's a submarine down there it's covered with muck he couldn't read the numbers on it right because like it was pretty embedded in the in the seafloor and whatnot right. uh, so they didn't know what submarine it was they yeah, they didn't know anything. So he bangs on it, didn't nothing bangs back, comes back up. They're like, okay, that was a weird thing. And it's <laughs> continuing, right? So they look around a little more. They bring up the idea of like maybe it could be something banging around on the inside. Yeah, like, like a treasure chest without a hinge. Exactly. With a, with a loose hinge. Yeah, yeah. We're like, ah, oh, maybe not. And then so they call in uh, another team that is able to actually go inside. Mm-hmm. So that team is on the way, but it's right. going to take a while. So they're waiting. Meanwhile, the uh, the chief bell guy is just losing his mind. Like he just he's like, you know, I just get the sensation that they're calling for me. Uh, they want me down there. It gets weird. Yeah, he saw it's it's a cool ensemble piece for an episode where it's constantly like, for a while you don't really know who the main characters are. It's just jumping around to all these people on this ship, kind of mm-hmm. doing their jobs, yes. trying to figure out what is going on. And every once in a while, I'll jump back to this guy who's just acting a little bit weird. Yeah, just sweating a little bit too much, but not overacting. No. And like at one point he he looks in a mirror and sees like some sailors beckoning him. Super young sailors all just staring blankly at him and like, yeah, telling him to come closer. So not he, saying anything, actually. No, no. So he's freaking motions. out. So he ends up in the infirmary. Yeah. As you might expect. Uh meanwhile, the, the other crew finally arrives and they're they say, Okay, we can go down and uh and get a better sense of what's going on, right? So they go down again and they're able to get more information about the submarine because it moved a little bit it shifted so they could reveal the numbers right and as it turns out it's a submarine that was sunk uh during well it was not just sunk <laughs> it was destroyed during world war ii the japanese right. uh, destroyed it so 20 some years ago 20 something years ago exactly and the crew gets inside and you don't see what they see really you see them coming inside they grab a dog tag and then they look around and they're just horrified right and then they leave they come back up and they give the dog tag to the captain right and the chief how does it how does it's it it's a really cool transition how yeah. it works because the the captain is asking for like a report of what's down there like what'd you see yada 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 what's that banging uh and i think that's when he says like you know, the periscope was broken in half. Mm-hmm. And so that could have been the banging. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. But then he's like, no, 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 seriously, Captain, you need to look at those dog tags yes. that we found down there. Uh, and then the captain looks at him, and then it cuts right to the captain with the guy that was freaking out. Mm-hmm. And he says to the other guy, Bell. Yeah. yeah, talking to Bell, and he's talking to the other guy, and he says, you know, these are your dog tags. Look at those. Like, we know they're yours. Right. And then he suddenly remembers he was on that submarine that night. And he was in charge of the lights and he fumbled and the infrared filter fell off. So the Japanese, they don't use that term, 
uh, we're able to see the submarine and they just completely bombarded it with uh, shells. Depth charges. Depth charges, How yeah. How does a depth charge work? It's like a torpedo, I think. I don't know. But it's always just like a barrel. And the concept I always had was that it was like a barrel filled with explosives that was pretty cheap and that it would sink. And then when the pressure got too tight, it would explode. But I don't know how you would time it right so it would explode at just the right time to actually have an impact on the submarine. We'll have to do some research. <laughs> Wikipedia, the well, podcast. Wikipedia, some deep research of wikipedia.com. <laughs> anyway, and, and and he's just freaking out because he's like, this was all my fault. I am completely responsible for the deaths of all these men. Yeah. It was just me. It was me. And the captain is having none of it. Because he's, in the first blast, uh, his dog tags flew off into the ocean. Right. And then he was knocked overboard before the submarine went down. Mm-hmm. He's like, I should have gone down with him. I should have died. And he's yeah. like, that was not your fault. You didn't yeah. kill him. It's not your fault. The war killed them. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Exactly. <laughs> not your fault. Yeah. He says, the war uh, killed them. he has a good line where he says, uh, one man didn't kill them. A war did a set of circumstances did. Exactly. It's yeah. a really nice speech. And the guy yeah. is just not listening to a word of it. He is just freaking out. Right. And eventually he, he freaks out by saying, I could hear him screaming. Yeah. They were screaming. And then he bolts upright and then just runs. And he's running down like those narrow court, like hallways of the ship. That, and then jumps overboard and he's gone. They send like man overboard signs and everyone looks for him and that's that. But the, the creepy part, and I think we actually have gotten our chronology off, maybe uh-huh. a little bit off here, though, yeah, yeah. is when they were talking about the periscope had been sheared off, and that's what he thought the banging... Oh, oh, that's what the banging was. Right. Well, that's not it, though, Captain. Actually, there was... A guy had a hammer in his hand. So they said that, like, it was guys that looked like they'd been down there for a long time, mm-hmm. just, like, decaying bodies. Right. But one of them was holding a hammer. Right. That could have been banging. Right. And the captain was like, you save that for when you tell your grandkids that story. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen here. And then they don't find the guy. They give up the search, and then he's like, uh, he says, you know, see you later. I'm sure he has something more poignant that you've written down. Uh, Rod Serling says, file this under H for haunting. So clearly, very poignant speech. (laughs) I like that they waste so much time because of this banging. Just They sit on that spot forever trying to figure out, what is this banging? What is this banging? And then... One of their crewmates jumps overboard and they search for him for like two minutes. And it's like, well, we tried. Let's move on. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> I thought that the catch at the end was that it was going to be the guy that jumped overboard holding the hammer in the submarine or that like mm. his body was going to be decaying in there too. But they didn't I kind of thought that too, yeah. They didn't get that fantastical with it. It was just yeah. the idea that this guy was banging for a while. Mm-hmm. and But I also, it could have been... Such a different structured episode if they would have made it so only the one guy could hear it, kind of like the Telltale Heart or something, you know? I like that everybody heard it, though. Yeah, including the audience, constantly. Yeah, it yeah. was unrelenting. Yeah. Yeah, I also liked the... They did a good job when that crew gets inside the submarine and you see their, like, expressions. as You don't see what they see. You don't mm-hmm. see the bodies or even, like, a hint of that. But you get to see the horror on their faces as, you know, they're, like, looking around the interior of the ship and, like... They can't get off that thing quick enough. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, is it that weird that they went down, the guy was banging on the hammer, banging with the hammer for a while, he died? I guess. It's weird if there are bodies that have been decomposed because they've been there for 20 years, and you heard a hammer sound 
like on metal. That'd All be right. weird. You know what? Turns out that guy had a right to go insane. Yeah, I, I would file that under H for haunting as well. <laughs> That's where that goes. Uh, I like this episode. It's just like a good slow burn ghost story. No, Absolutely, it didn't. It was I, I. Again, this is another episode I think that benefited from being really long. Yeah, you had time to really try and think about what the hell was going on there. I mean, to the point that yeah, they have two or three different expeditions down to the bottom of the sea, mm-hmm. which which is shot surprisingly well. I mean, yeah. it doesn't look like crap uh, when the guys outside outside the hull there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's like this very little music in the episode. It's just a man, and when he sees those ghosts in the reflection mm-hmm. and then he's like they're calling for me doc and he's like doc i don't want to open that door i don't want to open that door and the doctor's like there's nothing out there don't worry mm-hmm. about it uh and then he opens the door goes out there and this should be the stinger in the classic horror movie where there's nothing but he goes outside of the infirmary and he sees the ghost again still like yes. beckoning him and then he just screams oh my god in heaven <laughs> and runs back and the doctor again is like oh they don't exist they don't exist and then he the doctor happens to find a mound of seaweed. Yes. Instead of like ectoplasm, these ghosts leave seaweed everywhere yeah. they go. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a big pile of worms <laughs> at first because it looks kind of like that. The worms carrying a tiny hammer. Exactly. So this episode freaked you out? It's pretty creepy. I liked it. Okay. Good. I'm glad it holds up because it's one of those that I watched super late. I remember it was like after a party mm-hmm. and it was like three o'clock and I was crashing on a friend's couch and I just turned on the TV by myself in the living room and watched it and was just horrified. Yeah. And I'm glad that years later it still holds up. Yeah. As being freaky. So I ended up giving this one a seven as well. It's like we're on the same page. I gave this a seven too. All right. Well, let's see where we're going with the next one. Let's do it. It's going to be an adventure. This Valley of the Shadow. Valley of the Shadow. Uh, as Woody Allen once said, Walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and then second time we had run through the valley of shadow of death. Top notch stuff there, <laughs> Ben Hansen. <laughs> All right, so Valley of the Shadow. This one starts out in a very similar mold as Walking Distance. It seems like more than just that episode. There's a lot of, in my mind at least, a lot of episodes starting with a guy in a convertible. Yeah, yeah. He's driving around. Uh, he's running out of gas. He sees a sign because he tried to take a shortcut that a friend recommended. Uh, he got horribly lost. He sees a sign for a town called Peaceful Valley. Uh, population is 981. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, why not? And so he pulls in and uh, gets his gas filled. And the gas attendant, the gas station attendant is a little bit weird. It's just he takes his time finding like the, the place to fill the tank and whatnot. And then like, He's weird when it comes to giving the money back and like it's, making change. He's the alien from Hocus Pocus and Frisbee, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it kind of feels like that for sure. Yeah. And so then the guy has a dog named Rolly who's in the back of his convertible. Rolly sees a cat. And so Rolly goes off running and chases his cat up a tree, which is right next to a little girl mm-hmm. who then pulls out like a... A small radio with like a lightsaber and then like a string attaching them. Good luck describing this thing. <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, I'm going to have to describe this later. And I don't know that I can do it. So let's, let's see if Hansen can do it. You can't either. That's the best I got, but it's like yeah. a retractable cord yeah. for this box with a lightsaber. It's like, okay, how about like one one component of it would be one of those like retractable key ring yep. things that janitors have on their pants? Yeah. And the other would be like a, like a like a deck of cards. Sure. With 
gears and you get stuff the idea. It. It's a yeah, weird look, super weird, weird looking thing. But that's and not the half of it. No, no, indeed. And so she no pulls indeed. out this thing, and the dog disappears. And he's like, "Hey, where's my dog? Where's my dog?" And then like the dad runs out, and the gas station attendant is also watching carefully, like something's up, like be careful. Uh, the dad makes the dog reappear, hidden behind the house. Yeah, he, he he feigns like looking for it, and the guy's yeah. like, "Wait a second, you know, the guy's name's Philip." It's like, I know, I saw my dog disappear. And dad's like, oh, that couldn't have happened. Or let me help you find your dog. Right. And so he finds the dog and he's like, okay, Rolly's just fine. I guess, I guess we're all good. And so the guy continues to walk around looking for a restaurant. They're like, we, uh, restaurant's closed. Sorry. He's like, okay. And then he goes to the hotel looking for food or maybe to stay there. I forget. He goes to the, yeah, he goes to the hotel looking for a restaurant. Looking for a restaurant within the hotel. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, the, all the rooms are booked but then he sees that all the keys are still there yes. below the main desk he's like well i know they're not booked and he's like everyone's just away right now and so they left their keys here and she's like yes it's very <laughs> weird like it feels like almost like a truman show-esque mm-hmm. thing where there's some facade going on here but he can't figure out what it is and i had no idea what the hell it was yeah, where's the restaurant restaurants closed where does everyone eat we eat at home okay <laughs> <laughs> Stop asking questions. he also finds a newspaper with a very dramatic zoom that says 1953 it's like, Stalin's dead on the top. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the big headline. And so he knows that something's up. But then I'm trying to remember how he encounters everybody else. Oh, so then he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. And he's like, I'll just drive out of here then. I guess I got my gas. And he's driving out of the town, like on the outskirts of the town, right by the population sign. Mm-hmm. And then his car hits like an invisible force field. And gets total, and it's shot pretty well. Yes, like, it's a tough thing to pull off. Just having a car hit something invisible, like the hood crumples, and yeah, yeah. And then somehow that wreck has launched his dog out of the side of the car, and is like it, the dog's dead. It's, and it's so dead, and no blood or anything. Uh, and he's really worried. And then a bunch of weird townspeople come up. And they're like, hey, we got to get you to the doctor. And he's like, oh, what about my dog? My dog's dead. Like, oh, yes, I'm sorry. We'll get you to the doctor. Your dog will be fine. Yeah, yeah. So then he goes to the doctor, except it's not the doctor's office. It's the mayor's house. (laughs) And then the mayor, who's a weird Lenin-looking figure, along with two other guys in black suits come out. And they're like talking to him for a while. And he's like, isn't this the doctor's office? They're like, in a way. <laughs> They're really taking their time getting to this mystery. Uh, go ahead, Cork. You take it from there, dude. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually he's, he talks to them and he, he, it comes out that, that Pleasant Valley is not your typical town. Like, they have this special technology. A hundred, was, yeah, a hundred years ago. This guy came with, you know... No, he came with... The guy came and he had... Was he? He just came with equations. Either was he from the future or another planet that is ambiguous? Yeah. And thanks to these equations, these people have access to this incredible technology, which you saw the force field, you saw bringing the dog, like making the dog disappear, and then you know they bring it to life too, right? Yeah, they they also revive it, so it's not really dead, right? And then he. I think he demands to, they, they they volunteer to show him more stuff. Okay, this is where it gets weird because this is where it gets weird <laughs> because the whole premise of the town is that they want to stay isolated because they have this super advanced technology mm-hmm. that they realize if it gets out, the entire world's going to blow themselves up. Yes, it's because he equates it with like the atomic bomb. Like, oh, Einstein said- came up with E equals mc squared, and you guys use it to build a bomb. Okay. 
real quick though. That's what he goes. You Einstein came up with E equals MC squared. Right. And instead of feeding the world, you built a bomb. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know that it was like a consumable item. I thought that like that that they built the bomb. Couldn't they also use that to feed the world if that was like what it was capable of doing? Have you ever eaten an atomic bomb? Because it's delicious. I bet it balloons out your stomach and then you burp out like a little atomic symbol. <laughs> yeah. So the entire premise is they want to keep people out of this town and they make a big deal when he first arrives explaining like, oh, it's happened. After 16 years, it's finally happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody else happened to drive into our town. A town which, keep in mind, they have a sign for <laughs> yeah. pointing the way. Not only that, but they have force field technology, yes. which they only use to keep people from leaving. Yes. Why not hide the town and mm-hmm. just in case people find it, make a force field over it so people couldn't get in? There are a lot of problems <laughs> with, so, with their signs. I agree with you completely. And then on top of that, their first move with this guy who they realize is a reporter. Yes. And they make fun of him for like, hey, how's your book coming along? He's like, what are you talking about? They're like, every reporter has a book. Yeah. Like, oh, whatever. Uh, they then go really out of their way to explain to this guy absolutely everything about their technology, how yeah. it all works, demonstrating it thoroughly just to make sure he understands. But at the same time being like, you're not supposed to know this, but hey, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, you're not supposed to know this, but here's this machine, and they pulls out like this, they got this filing cabinet, and it pulls out these um, like zigzaggy patterns with circles, and they're supposed to be the atomic uh, formulas for things. It's like, here, here's the uh, formula for a ham sandwich with mustard. And then he puts it into this little slide thing, and it's a replicator. It's like, ah, oh, this is a smaller one. We obviously have much larger ones for, for bigger objects. And then, ta-da. There's a ham sandwich. And the, the chart for the atomic structure, it just looks like a like one of those logic puzzles where you have to like fill in the squares. It's super simple looking. Yes. And the idea that like, oh, it's this very simple puzzle that you'd see in Highlights Magazine is the perfect atomic structure for a ham sandwich. It's ridiculous. It's called the dissimulator. The dissimulator. Uh, by the way, yeah. yeah. And so all of their technology is based on this 100-year-old time traveler alien that came... But the interesting part, and they never really explained it, is they said that this alien guy came and he bestowed three men with these secret equ- equations. But they never went beyond that. And so do you think that these guys are using the technology to also keep themselves alive forever? And they were those three men? I think that they were. Be- and okay. keeping themselves alive, another demonstration. Which one guy was super cool about them doing? Maybe they're just so bored with their technology yeah. they allowed this to happen, but... Uh, they're like, oh, please, just to demonstrate if that. that sandwich wasn't enough. Yeah, look, we can manipulate space, but we can also manipulate time with our technology. Mm-hmm. So please, have a seat on this table here. Here's assistant dude. Uh, take off your coat. Make yourself comfortable. Here comes a butter knife <laughs> right into his chest, and then and blood's blo- coming uh. out. And so then they take another one of, like, all the technology looks a little bit different, mm-hmm. but they take another one of those really stupid-looking devices and rewind time. Mm-hmm. So that the blood like seeps back into his chest and it's like nothing happened. But this guy still had to experience what it was like to get stabbed in the chest with a butter knife. I would want them to aim it at my old guy face (laughs) because I don't know. Like they look like, why were they aging still if they had access to that technology? And they realized that was the best looking year. Yeah, but one of the guys was super old Hmm. and very strange. And they kind of tried to play up the idea that all these guys have different thoughts on how they should treat their prisoner because this guy was their prisoner now right. 
or you know what they should do with their technology. And one guy mm-hmm. was a little more aggressive right. about it, and he was a super old guy. Yeah. So Philip, he's stuck here in Pleasant Valley, and the lady at the hotel falls in love with him. So they give him a house, much like uh, people are like all over. That's like a nice house, and he's fine with it. And then he tries to leave, and realizes that he's pre- like trapped in with the force field. And it's kind of like a little prison. Yeah, but he like breaks a rake. It's a pretty cool it. shot, yeah, because yeah. it's like a it's like glass. They mm-hmm. shot it with glass, and so like the dogs' paws are up on it. Mm-hmm. And you can't see that it, there's a force field there. And then he takes a shovel and like smashes oh, it on shovel, it, yeah. and it just disintegrates. Mm-hmm. It's cool looking, and like parts of the shovel are like still lodged in the force field. It's just lodged in the glass or wherever they yeah. shot it. But yeah, it works pretty well. So he's trapped in there, and there's a lot of debate amongst the mayors about what they're going to do with this guy. But, but. He and the lady decide, let's get out of here. He's like, haven't you ever wondered what's on the other side? Well, I know. This is great. I love it here. Well, how how do you know? You've never experienced life. And you should share this technology with the world because people are starving. He explains starvation and all this stuff. Uh, She's like, okay, whatever. Let's get out of here. Well, she's more like, oh my God, I love you. And there's a big melodramatic scene of her crying. And this is when she says, we have machines for so many things but I can't make these feelings stop. And she can't <laughs> help but fall in love with this guy. And so then they take off together. Yeah. Uh, they get in the car and... Well, they get oh, in the car well, after... First, yeah, there's know. a big scene. We're missing a, an important part of this episode. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, he's like, I'm going to steal these secrets because the world needs to know. And I'm a reporter, damn it. Yeah, I'm going to do my job. Novel be damned. So he grabs the files, which sets off an alarm... And then he, oh, he he puts in the formula. They happen to have the plant, the atomic structure of a thirty-eight police revolver. The third file he looks at. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Perfect under point three eight. <laughs> so makes that, and then the guys come in after hearing the alarm, and he shoots them all. Takes the thing, the files, and then gets in the convertible. Let's go, baby. And they and start driving away, and then she turns on him, zaps him, so he finds himself. In the room with the three men again. Yep. They're trying to figure uh, out what to do with him. Yeah, and the aggressive guy, he's like, oh, we need to execute you. We do this out of necessity, not of Mm -hmm. choice. And then the guy says, the prisoner guy says, well, thank you, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Laying it all on the table. (laughs) It's like, oh, we're merely following orders. We must kill this person. Uh, And then the old guy at a certain point also like slicks his hair back and he Mm -hmm. goes, let's get this over with. Yeah. Aren't the choices like to be killed or assimilated? Yeah. He could either join their weird town Mm -hmm. or they could kill him, which is a program that they haven't used for. They've never used it. They always had it as like a backup contingency plan just in case anybody happened to walk into their town and ask one question. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is the first time that they're using it. Which you think about it is not that big of a deal if they can rewind time they're basically just putting this guy on ice for a while wouldn't right. that be their first instinct like yeah okay this guy we, while we're waiting to figure out what your ultimate punishment is going to be we're just going to slit your throat from ear to ear and we'll if once we make our decision we'll back it up <laughs> and tell you what we decide on yeah and a big thing too is you know he once the lady brings him back he's like how could you we were in love even though we spent three minutes in a hotel together and not even in a good way, if you know what I mean. But, uh, right. so he's like, how could you do this to me? And they kind of reveal that this was a test 
that mm-hmm. she was going to run away with him just to see what he would do and how he would react. And right. this is as a test to maybe sharing their technology right. with the wider world. But they even tell him, they're like, well, the first thing you did with our technology was you made a gun mm-hmm. and then you shot the three of us. Yes. So it's a pretty good reason not to ever share this with the outside world because right. anybody outside of Peaceful Valley can't be trusted. Exactly. And remember when he did take the files and he looked through the book, it was all blank. Yeah, so it was definitely right. a test. Yeah, so. yeah it, was, it was a test. And also it was super easy to steal those files. So easy. Much easier than it needed to be. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, they put him down and it's kind of like an electric chair, but not really. He's just kind of sitting there. Then they have a weird hat cap thing that mm-hmm. they set next to him. It's like a Pyrex bowl that they aim at him. And then they say something to the effect of, you know, we didn't, we're really sorry. We didn't think we we're going to have to do this, but we need to execute you. We, yeah. And so then they execute him. Or, but, or, but is the theme of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> uh, he is then back in his convertible, getting his tank filled with gas. Yeah. He's at like, the start oh, of the episode. Oh, oh, oh. It's like he's kind of like he's waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fun part, and it's debatable if it's fun or not, I guess, <laughs> is the gas station attendant is still weird mm-hmm. and a little bit in the know. And then, like, as he's driving away, he looks and sees the hotel innkeeper lady yeah and they exchange a look of like oh goodbye forever the dog still wants to chase the cat yep in the tree everything's exactly the same and then he drives off and uh, we'll never know what happens but i think i got a pretty good sense some would say he is going to write a book do you think he's going to write it as fiction or nonfiction? that's a good question i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's a legitimately good question yeah so uh the reporter got his scoop and so the question is, did they just say they were going to execute him and then rewound him to that point, only him? Or is their version of execution like just... Like a mind wipe kind of thing? Yeah, kind of like the Men in Black thing. But he still seems like he's in the know because he's looking at that lady like he misses her. So it's not like his oh, mind... she's cute. Yeah, no, look, no doubt she's got freckles and stuff. But, I mean... He seems like he still remembers everything, so it's not like a mind wipe. It's yeah. like they just literally put him back in time to the beginning of the episode, where he was in the beginning of the episode. Right. So maybe they knew that they didn't have to kill him. They could just make him question his own sanity enough that he would not reveal the secrets of this town that's, that the road leads directly to. I suspect that what happened is that they just erased all memory from when the dog jumped out and chased the cat afterward. So that's why he just kind of like a, ugh. But then what? Okay, so he's just looking at the girl because she was cute? And that was more for her to look at him? More for her to look at him. And I think they always like to have that little glimmer of, oh, maybe he does, but doesn't he? I don't think that, I don't think he remembers any of that stuff. Yeah. This is another uh, episode. Because he would have done like a 180. It would have been like, give me that damn sandwich. <laughs> I know you guys have unlimited sandwiches with mustard. It's all he wants. Uh, he wants to feed Africa with ham sandwiches. But... Uh, this episode had the same problem in some ways as, coincidentally, Still Valley had. Oh, yeah. Uh, in that I was rooting against where the episode was eventually going. Like, in Still Valley, I wanted them to get that technology mm-hmm. and use it against the huge armies because it would be super yeah. fun to see. And in this one, it's like, yeah, what's the harm in showing what it does to the world? Just have, like, a little wrap-up scene at the end. Like, it is objectively a more fun episode if he did eventually escape with the technology and you got to see how the world reacted to it. I just thought of something that yeah. fits into the unified Twilight oh, Zone yeah, theory. Yeah. That formula 
looked a lot like the language, if I'm not mistaken, from To Serve Man. So you're the saying... The symbols on the cover of the book. I'll have to look at them side by side. This is just off the cuff. That's a stretch. I'm wondering if maybe it was one of those aliens. So 100 years ago, a Kelf Midorian or whatever the hell those things were called. That giant weird guy came, yeah, came back with the book. And that was like a test run. Mm-hmm. But how, the important thing is how this relates to the gift. Mexico. <laughs> this is New Mexico. <laughs> Stupid. It's super uh, dumb. So that's, that is that super complicated episode that dragged on mainly in that scene where he's talking to the lady and they're confessing their love, which I guess is kind of redeemed because she might have been faking it. Yeah. But it certainly wasn't pitched that way. Uh, I ended up giving this one a four. Really? Yeah, what'd you give it? I gave it a six. You were negative going into this batch. I was negative going into this batch and maybe maybe I thought you were going to be higher on them. Oh, interesting. Okay. I did really like those first two. Uh, This one... Uh, it, there is, there's just too many plot holes, too many things that just don't quite add up. But I do like the idea of the small town having advanced technology. Yeah. And them all... Because also a, a big factor was like, they're kind of excited excited by this outsider, like she was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all just interacting with each other for maybe hundreds of years. Yeah. Maybe just since they've been born, if they're actually on a normal scale. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a cool idea to have this super insulated town. Well, here's the deal. You know me, I'm a bit of a gore hound. So this one had a dead dog, <laughs> which is pretty great. Yeah. It had an old guy getting stabbed, uh-huh. right? With uh-huh. all kinds of blood, which that you usually cool. don't see on the Twilight Zone. Yep. Um, you saw a shovel getting broken, and you saw a car biting it in a way. Yep. Also, they repaired the car. Remember, because they, they said it's gonna, we had to take it to the mechanic. They could just use their dumb machine on it. Yeah. Apparently, that machine can do absolutely everything. Yeah. Uh, but. They also have a scene where he shoots the protagonist of Twilight Zone episode. Oh, shoots God, three, three guys, of them. three guys, How three guys that, that were uh, clearly innocent. Like they had their beliefs, but I mean they weren't bad guys no. in any way. Mayor Dorn was an all right guy. If I'm learning anything from Twilight Zone, when all else fails, just murder anything that gets in your way, and then then Rod Serling will come in at the end and say, "Don't do this." Ooh, I can't, I'm not your boss, but. Ooh. <laughs> this one under M for maybe not. I yeah, don't I don't know. I don't want to cast judgment, but... So it turns out that the world might not be trusted with advanced technology mm-hmm. and that humanity maybe is flawed in some ways. Right. And that ghosts use hammers. Yes. With their <laughs> skeletal fingers. <laughs> cool. All and right. you can fall in love immediately. That was long. That was long. That was. We're coming up on an hour. Wow. That is the longest episode. Maybe there's a Franklin's that's longer, yeah. but do you want to stick with this structure going forward? Can we get I, faster at doing these? No, I think this is a good structure. I think that just the fact that these episodes are an hour long, you're stuck either doing one that's, it's either going to be a whole bunch of short ones or a, we're just going to have to plug away like this. I, I think I, I'd say we keep doing this. Man, but I'm wondering how the episodes are going to be moving forward. I think there's going to be a dip in quality. You think I so? Like, I feel like there has to be because we started out pretty good. Quality with us or the episodes? Well, probably both realistically, <laughs> but I'm talking about the episodes. Oh, okay. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I wonder how many are going to be simple ideas that are stretched out because I feel like the simplest idea here is also one of the strongest episodes, which is, you know, 30 mm-hmm. Fathom Grave. Where right. It's like that one, it, it could have worked in the 30 minute 
structure yeah. would have been fine. I mean, I guess this third one could have as well, but I just it's going to be a lot of explaining how each twist works before every commercial break. Yeah. But hey, tune in. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Or something. I don't yeah, know. We'll see. We'll keep doing it. Yep. We're coming up on the end. Something. <whistles> All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you want to. You can review us and uh, tell us that you like this structure or you hate the structure. Yada, yeah. Yada. I'm, I'm curious to hear about this structure going in because both of us, like with season four, it's kind of been like a weird one for us. Like at this point, we've kind of hit, settled into a rhythm. And now with this, it's like, what do you do for hour long episodes? Yeah. So we're just kind of faking it anyway. So let us know what you think. Yep. Only six episodes, if the math is correct, for season four. So there you go. Should be a fun, quick ride. All right. Uh, Also, uh, watch the episodes along with us on Hulu. The entire four seasons up there. Yeah. That's that's basically the only place you can watch them right now. Because you used to watch them on Amazon Instant. Yeah. And And season four is not available on Amazon Prime. I'm sorry. You now have to watch the super long commercial breaks. With that elderly man who talks about rewinding a DVD and really yucks it up. Yep. And there is some kind of sandwich that's on sale. We should <laughs> it also... Looks delicious. We should analyze uh, each commercial in yeah. Hulu. Yeah. Let's do it. You end up seeing the same commercial six times just watching one Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. I really do want that sandwich. It looks good. Yeah. Well, I happen to have an atomic <laughs> structure that might be able to help uh, you. I love it. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, we'll see you next Monday for the next batch. Twilight mm-hmm. Highlight by Life. Mm-hmm.